welcome to Allie Lee Wrestling, the No Dax All Wheelings Wrestling Podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Anne. And I'm Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, welcome to Tunnel Talk. Actually, I hope we gave you all a real start there. <laughs> I just get so happy when I think about our listeners hitting play and hearing a man. <laughs> to me, it's possibly the funniest thing that could happen. And let me tell you, that's the nicest thing anybody said about me all week, too. So. <laughs> Man, we were actually calculating it up because we were like, are we too negative about men on this podcast? But we've actually had many male, male guests and we're very positive. We love our male listeners. So this all yeah. goes out to you guys. Jeff, we present ourselves as man haters, but you're actually <laughs> the fourth man on our podcast. Would you say yeah. that we do a good job of reaching across the aisle? <laughs> For the duration of the next hour and a half? Absolutely. <laughs> And then, yes, yes, in general, I, you, you all present a very welcoming space. Um, you have not so given much. me the opportunity to actually introduce myself as anything other than Allie thus far. All right. Well, I, gu- no. I guess that's important. I guess you don't want to be fake Allie for the rest of the podcast. I could be. I could be, though. It's really, you know, she goes on vacation. <laughs> Allie steps in. Replaced in all. Yeah. So this is my friend Jeff, who I talk about on the podcast, like, pretty regularly. And, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself? He's a lifelong wrestling fan. Yes. Yeah. Um, my name is Jeff. I am a, a friend of Anne's and now a friend of Leah's and, and Marjorie's right. and everybody's. Um, <laughs> but not Allie's because she's not going to show up. <laughs> let's, let's be honest here. No, um, and uh, just for the pertinent background, yeah, uh, I would say I grew up watching uh, WWF wrestling back in the day. Um, I'm old, so in high school <laughs> years, I uh, kind of transitioned over into watching WCW, and I've always in, kind of enjoyed that product, and I think that AEW has a little bit more of that in its DNA than it has the old WWF. Um, and my friends and I have just drifted in and out of wrestling fandom over the years whenever uh, there have been alternatives to the WWF and WWE that uh, weren't super Cena and what they're doing with Roman Reigns. But we can talk about that latter one a little later, maybe. So I'm really excited to be here. As I am, it's a downright honor. I appreciate you all trusting me to not ruin. So. As I said to you before we record, I ruin it every week. I just do saying this stuff, so don't you worry about it. Yeah, you can't be high pressure. We don't no. do a good job. No, we do, yeah. we do a terrible job. I had edited a correction because I was too drunk to remember the difference between Dasha and uh, Lexi Nair. Don't worry about it. But in all fairness, that was hilarious. So. <laughs> it was excellent. But yeah, we're so happy to have you. And you um, had your power go out like a couple hours before Dynamite on Wednesday, so you've really persevered yeah. to be here this week. <laughs> it has been a, a downright Sisyphusian task getting me here today <laughs> with some vague amount of knowledge in my brain. Um, we'll see how much of it I can ring out for you. Yeah, well, you know we forget everything the second we see it, so you'll be doing great regardless. <laughs> my people. Yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so this week, Dynamite. Oh, I'm I'm going to be hosting everybody. I guess that's obvious. Why am I saying that? I'm doing a great job already. Fantastic transition. Fantastic. Yeah, no, you're you're killing the transition. <laughs> yeah. Allie would be so jealous. The you're doing amazing. Part. Thank you so much. I need a lot of affirmation. <laughs> um, yeah, so Dynamite opened with what was supposed to be a match between Ricky Starks and Juice Robinson. But to everyone's surprise, big time free agent Jay White of New Japan ran out before the bell. And he and Juice did a big Bullet Club beatdown of Ricky. 
And so the match was thrown out as a no contest. Um, so this was a big surprise because the IWC and the dirt sheets seemed pretty convinced that he was going to WWE, but I guess he was smart enough to see the way the wind was blowing with Vince, <laughs> who is back. I would not say it has been WWE's best week ever. <laughs> Poor Cody Rhodes. <laughs> what do you guys think of this, uh, this debut? It's, I thought it was... Um it was super close to being perfect. First of all, I should say, I absolutely love that Jay White uh, made the decision that he made. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, I'm not going to act like I, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of him, but I do, I have seen enough of him to know that it's insane that the WWE did not lock him up, uh, mm-hmm. and let him yeah. go to the competition. He's an incredible slime ball. Uh, you know, he's, which you know, we love, which, which we absolutely love. Like I was, he's kind of like a charismatic version of Mox, if I can say that, not that Mox is uncharismatic, but Mox in this heel role that he's in, I think is a clubbering kind of personality. And Jay White is just a snake. Um, and he's going to be saying a charismatic version of Mox though. Cause that sounds like such a burn. <laughs> It's like, it's, like it's not meant to be. You could say, yeah. I know. <laughs> but, but, um, and so I'm just, and I'm super excited. Uh, I would say, and I should back up. He's also just spectacular in the ring. Um, I had to think back to who we had seen him uh, wrestle when we saw him wrestle live. And if you even remember that we saw him live uh, at oh, the yeah. Impact show. <laughs> That's right. We did see him at Impact. Um, wow. And just getting to see him in person. And granted, it was against Alex Shelley. I'm rambling on. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and Alex Shelley is tremendous in the ring, too. So it was an excellent um, it was a- an excellent showcase for his talents. But he's he's just going to do so many good things in this company. And it is wonderful to have him here. And as much as they tease those Bullet Club hand gestures, uh, this could wind up being something bigger than just the two of them. So I'm excited. Yeah, it is. It is very good. I, you know, I don't know that much about Jay White, but just the stuff he did with uh, Hangman and Adam Cole for Forbidden Door, I was just like, oh, this. I wish this guy goes to our school. And then when he was <laughs> he was uh, leaving New Japan, like everyone kept saying, like, oh, it's definitely WWE, and it was just very funny to yeah. watch it go. Where it was like he's one hundred percent WWE. Yeah, <laughs> he's like ninety five. <laughs> right. He's you know like he's like a solid eighty. Like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's like prob like half and half. Like it was just <laughs> so funny to watch it. The more Vince was involved, the more the odds went down. I love that. Yeah, good for him. Good mm-hmm. for him. Wise right. decision making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if he managed to hold out putting ink to paper until like he got some assurances, good for him. Like I don't know what what ex- I would love to know exactly the order of operations like why he why he went from like pretty sure to like i think this is gonna go badly but i'm you know dying to know yeah love those details mm-hmm. yeah all right so other stuff that went on this week was uh tony khan had a very 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 big announcement he told us many times um <laughs> biggest announcement get your hopes sky high he said they will not be disappointed and then he got out there with his eyes open wider than anyone's opened their eyes and said the <laughs> announcement was that they're doing a London show in Wembley Stadium. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in London, that's very exciting. I'm sure if you're, like, very excited about venues, it seems like you're excited. I think for the rest of us, it's, like, great, I guess. <laughs> what do yeah. you guys think? 
he definitely opened his eyes in a way that was like he had accidentally done Molly and he hadn't meant to. And he was <laughs> and he so was afraid to that someone was going to. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he was like, please don't let me get caught. Please don't let me get caught by my dad, Adam Cole, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Adam Cole also, he brought out for part of this announcement. Like why was Adam Cole there? Is Adam Cole his supportive like, emotional support? I, I do want that to become a running gag where Tony cannot give an announcement unless Adam Cole is like emotionally supporting him. Cause that would be, that would be pretty good. Yeah, so anyway, so the show's going to be called All In. It's like five years since the first All In, which kind of set off the events that led to AEW. So, um, yeah, are you guys excited for the show, or do you think it's going to be good? I was fa- I'm was fascinated to know whether Tony owns All In now, because that should be the Bucks in Cody, right? Like, I'm wondering yeah. if he sold the name. And uh, I had the same question, and I will also say, like, as as I was trying to catch up on all this show for, for recording this, it took my stupid brain a good two minutes to understand why he was emphasizing AEW all in versus oh, yeah. the original <laughs> all in just being all in like yeah. the, the fact that it's branded. I think he even said something about like this being the first all in under the AEW banner. Cause yeah. there wasn't AEW the first time. And it just made me feel a little stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks Tony. Um, that's, I am excited about this. I think um, if there is any sort of excitement to take out of the uh, announcement for any of us that don't live in London, um, it would be the sheer size of Wembley Stadium. Like that's yeah. a big yeah. reach. It's and if they, yeah, if they think that they can actually fill those seats, and if they do yeah. manage to fill those seats, that is going to be a huge deal for them. Um, plus, plus, uh, Will Osprey. Uh, yeah. is is from that general area, and we all need more Will Ospreay <laughs> on our screens. And some, People are already booking that, yeah. yeah. Some <laughs> weird guy. Do you think gun. it's, oh, go it's going to be a pay-per-view? Do you think it's going to be? Because if I don't get to see it, guys, I won't be happy. Yeah. Well, it's weird because it's like a week before All Out, which is yeah. apparently still happening. So it's like, is it going to be two pay-per-views in a row? Are they trying to like build up a WrestleMania thing? like, Or is it going to be a regular... like? dynamite type show so there was a speculative tweet and i do not remember from who but uh apparently this is lining up with i guess like the 30th anniversary of warner brothers and some sort of anniversary with hbo max and so there was a lot of uh, i guess hbo max recently started doing some live sports streaming with i think soccer and Mm -hmm. so there is some thought out there floating through the ether that maybe this will be an hbo max uh, production i would for that. that Yeah, I'd love it if they actually got, like, a streaming deal where I could watch old episodes instead of, like, having to do janky, semi-illegal things to see <laughs> old ones. Yeah. Oh. All right. Anything else you guys wanted to say on that topic? Uh, the only other thing to throw out there is Kota Ibushi sent out a tweet today saying that oh, yeah. he would like to be on that card. So I did see that. Let Ibushi's your imaginations been... run wild. Yeah, fingers crossed. I have been saying it ever since, you know, he's left New Japan, but, like, I am at my leisure to watch Kota. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anywhere you want to show up, I would love to see it. Please, yeah, if please, he and, please come. If he and Kenny want to do anything, that's fine it's by me, anything. I would say. Yeah. I, he, whatever I just said about not, whatever Ann just said about not doing illegal janky things, I'll do whatever illegal janky <laughs> things I need to do to watch Ibushi Very and Kenny. Willing. You just... <laughs> Yeah, you you just let me know what, and I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, they can do anything. They can open a soda shop, you know. Yeah, any kind of business venture I'd support. Yeah. Good. 
All right. Well, to get into it, like an actual wrestling match type topic, um, very exciting milestone for the podcast. We're going to get to talk about Dustin and Chuck Taylor three weeks in a row, and Allie missed two of them, so (laughs) (laughs) vacations are a bad idea. Um, So on Rampage this week, Malachi Black and Brody King fought Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, um, and I will call out that on their way down to the ring, uh, Jericho, who was on commentary, called him disheveled Chucky Taylor and said that he always looks like he just woke up, which is extremely correct. And then they had a big discussion about whether he has sleep apnea or not. So agree or disagree? <laughs> I mean, that feels right. Like, he does seem like does. somebody who would have sleep apnea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Absolutely right. agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, so he got very beaten up in the match, like a little Orange Cassidy, and then he finally got powerbombed through the timekeeper table, and then in the melee, there were a bunch of chair shenanigans, and the ref ended it by DQ, so Best Friends won, although a lot of the, um, the like, recaps I was looking at, they weren't sure who had gotten disqualified, because kind of everyone was throwing chairs around, so, <laughs> and I, at the time, really wasn't either, so anyway, but... Um, yeah, big DQ win, and then Orange Cassie hadn't come out to the ring with them, but after the bell, they were getting beat up, so he ran out to help save them, but it was a trap, and Buddy Matthews was waiting for him and blocked the orange punch with the trio's belt, which broke his hand. I mean, broke his hand. He didn't really break it. <laughs> and then he threw him down the ramp. <laughs> um, so all of that set up that on Dynamite, they had a big trio's match for the title with OC and Best Friends against House of Black. Um, so Sue drove them into their arena to a huge pop, which was very fun from the crowd and I think all of us. Um, yeah, and that was a pretty fun match. And, um, of course, Dustin got pinned to lose it (laughs) for them because that's what he's there for. And, uh, House of Black retained. Um, yeah, and Le Faction Ingunab. I'm not going to say this right. I said it right three times practicing for this. That's how sad this is. <laughs> anyway, those guys, they were watching from the ringside, so they'll probably challenge. And um, they announced like a OC match where he's defending the international belt against Drillistico. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think of seeing a DQ? First of all, stellar job recapping. Amazing. Thank you so much. Excellent work. Thank you Excellent so much. Work. Really well done. <laughs> It was a big uh, one, yeah. It was a big one. It, it, it kind of sucks. We don't talk about this enough. I know. We don't really appreciate Allie enough, possibly. No. <laughs> can't do this every I day. hope she doesn't listen to that, because she can't be hearing that. But it, yeah. it is true, though. You know, we should appreciate her differently. Uh, I thought it was really extremely funny for House of Black, who are large men, to be mm-hmm. beating up best friends, who are also large men, and mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy's like, don't worry, I'll save you. <laughs> and, and all three That's foot true. 12 of him runs out. <laughs> not very effective and i think that it's um it's i love that aew uh keeps those dqs so rare like Mm. you know it really especially for a rampage match not to slander rampage any more than it (laughs) slanders itself but um you know it just the fact that uh the fact that there aren't that many DQs uh, really leaves that sort of violence that House of Black got to wreak on on the Mon Rampage. Standing out, it makes it feel a little more meaningful that like we're willing to lose this match to send that message uh, when not everybody else is doing. And in fact, you know, when even they themselves aren't doing it all that often. So it. Um, I th- it was one of those rare things where I think even if they hadn't had the trios match on Rampage to immediately continue the story, it still would have felt satisfying. Like it was a good beat. Yeah. 
for sure. It was a good story. I was kind of, um, well, I was annoyed because, like, they did have this, like, kind of two-match, like, it was a little bit, you know, of a storyline going, but there were, like, no promos between anybody. <laughs> like, we didn't know from them. What is with that? Like, yeah. is there, was, was there an incident that we're not aware of where best <laughs> friends went rogue on a mic and now they're not allowed on a hot mic? Because, I like, mean, it's crazy. If only. I would love to watch them go rogue on a hot mic. Maybe they did and they <laughs> cut it somehow. <laughs> I'd, I think the obvious answer to that one is that Tony Khan finally started taking Chuck's threats to say the S word on live television <laughs> yeah. seriously. And he just like, no, no more microphones for this faction. TBS to crack down on it. I did see a headline that um, I guess Renee and Moxley, they were at like some Cincinnati like sports game and they had some honor. So they gave them the mic and Mox was like, oh, what, what should I say? Like, is there anything I shouldn't say? And they were like, oh, no, let it rip. And now no one's allowed to have a live mic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the fault of whoever handed him that microphone. I know. Yeah. That is not knowing your audience there. 100% on them. He asked, you know. He asked, yeah. Like, that is the point where you're like, oh, don't drop the F-bomb, you know? Right, yeah. Like, don't swear, but otherwise, or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. No. Yeah. I would have um, given anything to hear, like, D- uh, Greg and Dustin saying anything about, like, House of Black. Like, they really... They really could have done a good, good promo about like the spooky perverts, you know. Yeah, I don't absolutely. understand. Seriously. I don't understand why they were like they treat best friends like jobbers. It's crazy. I know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think you said in your notes you were like, "Is there anything in this rampage match that couldn't have been done by jobbers?" And it was like, "Yeah, unfortunately, like <laughs> not really." And that's kind of depressing. It's yeah. so degrading to be a best friends fan, really. It really, is. really is. <laughs> uh, I will say there was something about the trios match for me that just seeing house of black on one side and then you've got trent who is a very serious wrestler uh (laughs) in there and then you've got orange cassidy who as leah said all three foot 12 inches of him has somehow (laughs) managed to transcend importance here Uh, well deserved but still has managed to transcend his his physical uh stature Mm. it really just highlights how Chuck does not fit in this particular feud for me. Like it just, you know, you've got spooky guys. You've got looks like he will murder you at any given moment. Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy Mm -hmm. being Orange Cassidy. And then you've got the guy that we love, but used to throw invisible hand grenades and Chikara as like one of these things is not like the other. We love him, but he's just goofy and affable. That's right. (laughs) Some of the recaps I was reading, they were like, um, they said that the minivan, especially, they were like, it's contrasting the wholesome best friends with like the spooky perverts. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. But, you know, that's kind of true, I guess. Uh, Dustin failing to get out of the minivan on the first try was (laughs) absolutely perfect. Love that. That's what Mama likes to see. (laughs) When a man can't work a minivan door. Yeah, that's that's the stuff. One of my friends brought it up in the group chat too, but do you remember when Sue almost got seduced into the Dark Order? Yeah. Uh, yes. An amazing storyline right. would have been Sue yeah. being recruited into House of Black. <laughs> she should have. That would have been great. <laughs> They're missing all these opportunities. I know. They could be doing. On, on BTE, if nothing else, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you've just got me thinking of Sue like using the Black Mist as an ingredient for cupcake mix or something <laughs> that'd be good stuff yeah we should be innovating with that black mist like no there's kidding. a lot of ways you can go with that yeah yeah 
We're like, Malachi, you could be using it for so many bits. And he's like, I don't do bits. I'm a serious <laughs> lore guy. And we're like, no, 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 no. Bits. You, can, bits. you could be doing stuff. I was thinking, remember how you used to wear those shorts? And I thought they were really like cool, but we made some jokes about them. And then online, I mean, he didn't react to us, but he reacted to the online jokes. And was like, they're whatever, Muay Thai, Muay Thai. shorts. <laughs> yeah. He was like, they're serious martial arts shorts. And then he's like, never he's worn them never again. He's never worn them again. <laughs> I don't think he liked hearing people call them tap shorts. <laughs> I don't think he did. No, I don't think that was what he was going for. <laughs> I don't feel like he has a big sense of humor about himself. So. No, no I, do. I, don't, I don't think he does. Oh, all right. Well, moving on to the top of the card here. Um, the show is on Long Island, and it was MJF Day on Long Island, as we knew it would be. So he got presented the keys to the town of Oyster Bay from the town supervisor, who did an in-ring promo and got, like, some serious booze. Like, did you there guys was, know what was up? <laughs> no, there was definitely something local going on yeah. that I really wanted someone to explain. Like, I mean, I Taz is from Long Island. It would have been right. really helpful if he had jumped on the mic and been like, okay, so this guy was in a huge scandal. He was he forgot to pay the snowplow guys this year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no snowplow plowed. Like, fuck that guy. I know. I actually, like, Googled him today because I was like, what was up with that? And, like, read his whole Wikipedia page, which is some Somewhat extensive for a town supervisor, but there was nothing about any scandals there. I mean, he probably wrote it himself, but um, <laughs> still, <laughs> like, what was up? But anyway, so he gave an in-ring promo. Fascinating. Um, it was so good. It was good, actually. <laughs> that was a politician. I, th- I, th- I think at some point Taz said, like, this guy is going to be a heel manager in the future. As <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. He, he really could. Yeah, he was not in any way daunted by the amount of like booze no, and like weird chants he was getting. I think he was getting like what chants at some point. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, man, he, I mean, he could be, he, he definitely was doing better than like Arn Anderson was doing. I w- <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I, I would want to see him before I saw Dan Lambert. So. Oh God, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even if he didn't play this, pay the snowplows, like it's not a problem. For him. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I know MJF had to like yell at the crowd and be like, he gave me the keys to the city. Like, be nice that was, and- <laughs> that was really good timing on MJF's point. Like part. Cause it was like perfect where he was like, Hey, 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 I've gotten something out of this guy. Can you <laughs> right. show him some respect? <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah. But so MJF came in and there was a live band set up on the ramp so they were going crazy with some jazz stuff and mjf did a rendition of pennies from heaven to a live band while some long island guys screamed stuff that you could hear very clearly like there was one guy in the crowd that the mic was really picking up i was like okay that's yeah aew and their sound issues always um yeah and then he came down to the ring gave a speech ragging on a mean eighth grade teacher of his which i think is probably a dream of all of us um (laughs) and uh talked about having add and uh was like yeah who has it and got a big cheer and then the crowd started chanting add which i mean good for them absolutely amazing for Absolutely a brief amazing. moment, for a brief moment, there's a look on his face where he was like, "Life is real weird, man." <laughs> yeah. He was like, How did I get here? That. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see it coming, but great. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the entering shenanigans with the speeches, and then on his way out, he um asked people if they wanted to hear an encore of the song and was gonna sing it, but then a cymbal player like crash the symbols at the wrong time single players wearing a mask it turns out it's jungle boy secretly disguised as a symbol player who attacked him then they had a big brawl security has to pull them apart um yeah so did you guys think mjf day was working <laughs> i loved it i loved it <laughs> i mean I, like i've always had like a soft spot for like 
the like dinner debonair i like i like mm-hmm. watched it like 16 times on <laughs> youtube that week you know like i i really enjoy that kind of stuff so it killed me i was like laughing the whole time he is like an unbelievable entertainer sometimes i am like yeah. how did he end up in wrestling he could be doing he could be doing anything like he should have been on broadway yeah I absolutely loved it i this is uh once he actually started singing, I think my notes went something like, wait, are we getting a musical episode? Next line. <laughs> We're getting a musical episode. Um, but no, I just like with the dinner debonair, um, I think that we've talked at least a little bit about how there was a stretch there and hopefully we're pulling out of it, but AEW kind of lost that feel of being like a real variety show and like having mm-hmm. not just, well, it also lost like the feel of like all kinds of different um, wrestling styles and wrestlers being able to be important in the company. But the variety show stuff, too, just felt like it was gone for me. And so having this there, like they can go to Long Island every three months. if it oh, means. We're going to get another <laughs> musical show. Uh, yeah. And I have to say, perhaps the most restraint that the character of MGF has ever shown was not punching that saxophonist who was not <laughs> keeping up with his scatting whatsoever. Oh no, I, he was bad. He yeah. was bad. Like I'm no, like I'm not a, a music student whatsoever. I like a little swing music. I like a little big band music. So, but I mean, it was glaringly obvious. It yeah. was just like, what are you doing? I really thought he was just going to haul off and punch the guy to end the segment. Yeah, but the saxophone guy also had a little bit of Tony Khan face where his eyes got mm. really wide. He was like, I'm yeah. in over my head. I wish I was not doing this. Yeah. Where's Adam Cole? I can't. I got to get out of here. <laughs> Adam Cole needs to play the saxophone. I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I know. I felt so bad because it's like he's got to be like a professional musician, but he did look like I was not expected to be highlighted here. So. Yeah. And it, like there was a point where like he winced, you know what I mean? Like he was yeah. he damn well knew he was not doing as well as he needed to. But honestly, shot nightmare <laughs> yeah that's like the kind of thing that like well i will wake up at 3 a.m 3 a.m oh, being like oh my god i was on tv and someone came to me a saxophone and mjf right. wanted me to play it while i scatted <laughs> while he scatted <laughs> god oh, what a nightmare oh. yeah i love this too i accidentally gave leah the impression that i didn't like in our group chat because i guess i went quiet but um i was having a good time i historically am somewhat over mjf but this yeah. was great I when I went back and looked at the timestamps, I was like, "You guys weren't silent for like an absurdly long period." But like, I I just I was like, "This is the best thing ever." And both you and Allie were silent, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm doing the thing again. I'm the MJF enjoyer." <laughs> the MJF enjoyer. And so and so then we were talking about it, and I, I, both of you guys were like, "Oh no, I I I had a fine time. It was fine." And I was like, "Oh thank God." Like I <laughs> yeah, was convinced. Kidding. I was like, "Oh God, they they blanked the whole thing." <laughs> No, I was thinking about it because I was like, oh, what does annoy me when MJF gets his segments? But I think it's when he's like cutting a promo on someone that it goes on too long and it's like repetitive or sounds a lot like his other promos. Whereas like his vaudeville stuff, I it's like, yeah, get some props in here. I'm having a great time. <laughs> so, apparently. <laughs> um, one, just no, one, one last thought on it. And like the promo itself was spectacular because it really just... I love it when they go to Long Island and you get those little glimpses of how MJF could be like the hottest baby face in the entire industry. And then he says that one thing at the end that's like, you are such a scumbag. (laughs) (laughs) He just pulls it all the way back with just one little line there at the end. He's so good. He's so good. He does for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this is our four pillars storyline going on here. They had a really nice, I think, 
I'm going to segue into the next part and we're going to take it with us to talk about MJF with these so guys. So skillful. So oh, skillful. Thank you so much. This is, I'm very proud of this little transition, which <laughs> AEW did a great <laughs> transition. So, um, so MJF and Jungle Boy, they're being pulled apart by security. Um, and Sammy comes walking down the middle with his music hitting because his match is next. So he's right in between them. The belt is like on the ramp. He picks it up. He taunts them with it. Um, and then we go into his match against Commander, which I thought was some really stellar transition work from them. It really uh, was. Yep. Yeah, it's nice to see them. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Uh, I was just saying, and if I can just wax poetic on it for just a moment, like, this is everything that they need to be doing, like, whenever possible. And maybe, maybe again, it's kind of like the DQs. If they do it too much, I would stop being as impressed by it. But <laughs> just, like, if you just sit there and you think about, like, how disjointed and how unconnected the AEW like worlds felt there for a while looking at you Jericho looking at you Cody (laughs) but then to have this huge prolonged segment where like it really like the whole thing was running from when the band the curtain came up and the band was there instead of the Cody Vader all the way through the end of the Sammy Guevara match and the promo afterwards like this was everything about their main storyline right now and it spanned, I think, two different commercial breaks, so three full segments. You had MJF giving this big promo, lauding himself up, doing the, the Long Island thing. You had Jungle Boy making his appearance. You had the organic transition of Sammy Guevara not just coming out in a sensible way to insert himself in between those two other pillars and indicate his desire for that title, but then to keep coming down to the ring for his match and then during the match, you've got the fourth pillar. You've got Darby up in the rafters, which is, has that additional layer of narrative with it because that's where Sting always made his appearances. And so Darby's taking that in from Sting. It was just like an entire like seven-layer cake of storyline. <laughs> and I just I was incredibly impressed by it. It is that is the sort of flow that makes everything for wow. me feel really, really gratifying. And to look at it from a more like numbers sort of way, I think probably keeps viewers connected in between those commercial breaks. Like it was just a masterclass. I loved it. Yeah. I feel like um, AEW has really like leveled up lately where they've done a good job at like keeping, um, keeping storylines that have like a lot of moving parts kind of like functioning at a level where you feel like everything's going forward at once. And they're kind of balancing things nicely. Like I felt that way with the BCC elite lately too, which I, feel like it's it's nice to feel like everybody works at the same place and they might like cross each other in the hallways and stuff like that you know just like in the same world yeah our friend sarah said it it felt like a daily place episode which yeah 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 absolutely it did yeah so um sammy also had a match on rampage against takeshita where he won with some interference by ty um and then in this match against commander um, he beat him clean. Um, it was a very flippy match. Commander did a lot of rope stuff that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, and Jeff already mentioned Darby was in the rafters, and JB and MJF were also watching on the monitors backstage. So he had a, a lot of four pillar stuff. And then Sammy got out there and gave an in-ring promo about how MJF sucks and is a big cheater uh, while Sammy loves AEW and met his wife here. It is, is great. <laughs> so um, so last week we were feeling kind of fun, or maybe two weeks ago, we were feeling kind of fond of Sammy. Like, how are you guys feeling this week? Uh, opposite. Opposite. <laughs> Strong <would> opposite. <laughs> yeah. For me. He's just not love it. No, he's just so aggravating. I do think he was kind of like set up because like, 
he it was kind of unfair because he's the one who i i think is the weakest promo giver of all i Mm -hmm. which is crazy to say about jungle boy because like (laughs) yeah jungle boy you know last year would be like that man that man can't be given (laughs) promos but i think sammy has shown to be the least like likable and then you put make him go up in long island where everybody is like vocally on mjf's side it's kind of like he was set up from the beginning to not like really get a good reception but that said i still like the whole promo i was like shut up i know well it's like his delivery is fine but everything he says is just like like he was like oh what is this like a american idol and it's like sammy that's so stupid like what are you saying See, and I feel a little bad because I did sort of like it, and I do actively try not to like anything from Sammy Guevara <laughs> whenever possible. Um, and I do think, Lee, I fully agree. Like, I think he was set up, and I, the more I think about it, the more I think it was an, an intentional. Like, um, because he did almost get some face heat in that first Four Pillars promo to start off the oh. storyline. And I do wonder, like, that promo almost struck me as something where he might've gotten some cheers in another location. So maybe they had him rush out there for a second match and to give that promo in a spot where they knew since he was slagging on MJF, he was going to get the booze. Yeah. Yeah. It's- yeah. I, I do think that they're trying to turn him face, but I don't want that. So. <laughs> do not, not, do not exactly- want that naturally likable i would say <laughs> now, so now when you say naturally likable that almost implies there's some <laughs> other sort of likable that he is and i disagree with that well some yeah. people could work on it make themselves more likable <laughs> and i'm not sure if sammy <laughs> has that capability <laughs> um yeah i think jeff you were talking about um sort of the match with Takeshta and um uh, that these are feeling a little predictable so do you want to yeah that? yeah um And that's like my one complaint with this whole storyline so far is that, and I will, I will preface this by saying this is only if we wind up getting like up to some sort of elimination round robin-y tournament between the three to see who's going to be the number one contender. But, you know, I think that AEW, we've all complained a little bit, especially with MJF and his gauntlets and whatnot in the past Mm -hmm. about how uh, it all feels a little bit like a foregone conclusion. And I'm not getting any different vibes from this one. And especially with, uh, with Sammy, with, Takeshita, who should be winning matches and isn't. Um, God, that man is amazing. Uh, and then Commander, who did strange video game things in that match, but I don't think anybody really thought he ever was going to win that match. Um, I personally just feel like this is another storyline that is just guaranteed outcomes up until we actually start crashing the important action figures together. And I don't know how I feel about that. Well, you put that in your notes and I was like excited to debate you on that because I actually think that like that doesn't bother me at all if the story is good enough. You know, like there's I don't care about belts. And when people say the word belt to me, I stop listening because I don't care. (laughs) But so (laughs) it doesn't. So to me, like, yeah, I don't think any of the three of them are going to unseat MJF. Like, I don't know who is going to be the final girl of this whole thing, but like. I don't like it almost doesn't matter to me because I find how this is like how they're talking to each other and how they're like interacting so interesting and creative that I don't I don't I don't think it matters so much who's going to win. It kind of feels the same way as like, you know, when when Hangman, you know, challenged 
Kenny for the belt for full gear. You knew damn well he was going to win, but like you were just so interested in how it played out. I feel like the the thing that the thing that AEW has done in the, well in the past and hasn't done well in a while is that like if the story is good enough, it really couldn't matter less who actually wins in the end. And that's how I kind of feel about the pillars where I'm like, yeah, none of these, none of these you who's are going to win the belt. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but I'm excited to see where it's going. It's, and I can agree with that. It's and mentioned that you wanted to, to debate from my notes and I wasn't sure what <laughs> angle you were coming from, but that I, I, I think I can agree with that. And I'm trying to figure out like what my gut response to that is. And I think that it is maybe what you said there at the end. Like, I don't know that they have, I want more promo time from these people, I think, before we get to those matches that we can then just sit back and enjoy as story beats instead of ostensibly competitive things that are looking to winnow down the trio to a single number one contender. Well, Jeff, I'll say in an MJF feud, you're probably going to get a lot more promos before you ever get a moment of wrestling. Well, well, but I need them from the other three pillars, not just him is the thing. But don't you think every week somebody's gotten one? You know, like, so they did the one where all, everybody got a turn, and then Jungle Boy had a week, and then Sammy had a week. And so if they're going along the same lines, I think Wednesday Darby gets his, his week. I would guess. Um, and uh, if so, I will be right on board. Like I, he did such a good job with that first promo. I would love to see if he can yeah. follow it up. So, yeah, I do think he is the strongest contender. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the one who like is the final girl. Yeah. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll win, but. And, and that falls in line. I think maybe all three of us made notes on this, but the fact that for the build thus far, they've given Sammy two matches, they've given Jungle Boy one match, and Darby hasn't had a match yet. Like, that falls, for me, falls exactly in line with how much work each of those three need to be seen as a viable contender against yeah, I agree with that. Uh, MJF. So. No, I agree. I, I, I agree with that fully. Like, everybody already believes Darby is over. Like yeah. he doesn't need yeah. he doesn't need help. They they could have a title match tomorrow, and if Darby won, everybody'd be like, "Yep, that's cool. Great. Let's see what happens." <laughs> and the funniest part is that Darby's not even really that good at promos. Like he doesn't talk that much, no. but somehow he manages to get everything he's thinking across without actually having to speak at any point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he has a thing where it's just like he's very. Uh, he feels very genuine. I don't know if he mm. is, but it's that thing where you feel like it's like a real person having real feelings, whereas like Sammy is doing whatever Sam is doing. <laughs> Those are the things you learn when you're pretending to be homeless for a year. And <laughs> skills from under the bridges in Seattle. Intensity. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about um, what they're doing with Sammy's character and the sort of weird like baby face E vibes. Um, and I think like, in this match, also, Shivani said, oh, Sammy gets a lot of heat because he kissed his wife and all that, which is not really Sammy's issue, I think. But it's also the angle that they're pushing on All Access. So I thought we could segue into a little All Access talk because it was a very Sammy-focused episode, which was something of a bummer. So, um, yeah, so this week on All Access, we learned, um, first of all, that Sammy and Ty go on trips with loose cats in a litter box in the backseat. Uh... That freaked me out <laughs> so much because I have seen people do trips with a loose cat when it's like 
an elderly cat or like one that you mm-hmm. really trust. And right. usually there's someone in the backseat with the cat, like right. keeping an eye, like, you know, whatever to have. Those look like kittens. Those look like young <laughs> kittens. No one's in the backseat. They're just rocking around back there. And then you have the litter box. Like I, this is that's crazy. It's crazy to me. What's happening? What was happening Wild. in the backseat of that car was out of out of my mind. It was the most unhinged thing that I've ever seen in yeah. my life. Absolutely <laughs> yes. insane. I, and the fact that they were talking about having children at the same time, I'm like, you are yeah. proving that you do not need to have children <laughs> right now. They just now. got, like, loose toddlers in the backseat, like, not in a car seat. <laughs> like, great. No diapers. Just, yeah, just free-range children. Just stop the car if it gets too smelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then the other... the kind of the most interesting thing of the episode was um, Sammy and Eddie had a conversation about the issues they had last year where um, Sammy was kind of a dick in a promo and then Eddie got mad and pie faced him and then got suspended. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Sammy in this, he seemed a little self-aware that he's not very likable. He was like, yeah, people don't like me that much, but it's, but then his explanation was like, my wife's really pretty and I have the TNT belt. It's like, I'm just so successful. People hate it. Like Sammy, this is what we paint. Um, but yeah, what do you, what were your impressions of that conversation with Eddie? I know that they had to have like talked to Eddie and been like, Hey, will you sit with Sammy so we can film Sammy apologizing to you? But Eddie's whole vibe during the whole thing was that he was like in the middle of an important text conversation and Sammy just (laughs) dropped in and like tried to start this conversation. And Eddie was like, uh, how do I get out of this as quickly as possible? Yeah, we're cool. (laughs) The way he was aggressively not making eye contact. Yeah. The whole first, it was like literally when someone you hate more than anyone, this planet earth is talking to you and you're like, please just go away. Like if I don't look at them, maybe they will take the hint. (laughs) There was absolutely nothing convincing saying about like eddie being like yeah i don't have beef with you i'm like yeah you do you have big time beef big time beef especially when he was like well we can both be professionals like we're at work so we can just be professionals and it's fine (laughs) it's like yeah eddie does not like you at all it's so funny because it's like he's like mox is my husband he's my lover i love him forever (laughs) monkey is my best friend and i'll always you know i'd die for him and sammy we are co-workers and we 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 or at a workplace, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> like when your conversation boils down to, I will not intentionally cripple you, and I trust you to not intentionally <laughs> cripple me. Um, I will only hit you in the ring. That is my promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love wow. Eddie. I love him so much. And I love that, like, his talking head, like, it, there was... <laughs> Sammy was like, this is why, you know, Eddie, this is why Eddie was mad at me. This is what I was thinking. Here's like my whole explanation. And then it cuts to Eddie's talking head. And you think Eddie's going to be like, here's why I punched uh, Sammy. But instead, Eddie's just, Eddie's talking head is like, I don't give a shit about anything. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, just am who I am. It's so funny, too, that like a reality show producer clearly wrangled him and made him do this. But it's like, Eddie can't even fake being nice to Sammy for like five minutes on a reality show. (laughs) No, couldn't, couldn't fake it. Couldn't even show no. interest in it he was just sort no. of like oh god i'm not looking this up is my happening phone. to me yeah. <laughs> eddie does eddie either exists 100 in kayfabe or doesn't know that there's such a thing as kayfabe but whatever it is there yeah. wasn't a line for him to cross for this conversation it yeah. just uh no, there was no faking eddie cannot fake the things <laughs> no he is a man of integrity there's one piece there he can't yeah. <laughs> can't be anything else no no um 
Yeah, another big thing on the reality show this week was um, Thunder Rosa got a big spotlight to kind of give her side of things between um, the conflict that she, Brit and the other women of the roster seem to have with her about whether or not she's, like, playing up her injury, basically. Um, yeah, so I think it was nice to see her getting her side, but do you guys think that this worked to kind of help her image or make you like her more? Or? No, I thought she had the exact same problem as Sammy, where she yeah. was like... She was like, well, you know, like I was a social worker and I did this and I did that. And you're like, yeah, but there's like specific accusations that were made against you. Like, like, were you, were you hurt? Like, were you like, I don't know. There was just like, I I don't know. I don't think that she answered the stuff that Brit and like Jamie and everybody was saying about her. But like the problem is that like, I don't, I don't entirely agree with Brit. Exactly, because I'm sort of like, well, the yeah. culture shouldn't be that you work hurt. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I get, for sure. I get that Brit is saying like it fucked the company, but I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like you, right? I mean, the culture should be if you're hurt that you stop working, but I don't think that Thunder Rosa exactly met them. She, I, it felt very Sammy. It felt, it felt like she handled that the same way Sammy handled anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, as far as the working hurt, I completely agree. And yeah, you know, that almost falls back on Tony Khan for just not taking the belt off of her when she couldn't work. Like it shouldn't have been allowed to fester to the point where Brit was saying, Hey, you should be working hurt at least long enough to drop the title. Like it shouldn't have gotten to that point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the other two things I took away from that were one, apparently I could not tell you what any human being looks like if I normally see them with a half (laughs) face of face. Oh my God. I know. Uh, Yeah. Like Darby (laughs) Allen could look like Fabio for all I know. As soon as you take that half of face paint off. Uh, And two, am I the only one that noticed that when she went into her room for her podcast or interview or whatever, that she had a truckload of her own merchandise hanging up on the walls. Like it was very (laughs) strange. I was like, Oh, that kind of, it's in with the attitude and demeanor <laughs> that you've shown during all this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, cause I think like a lot of, I think like Ethan page has said that like you get given a lot of stuff with your own face on it all the time. So then, it, and I'm so sorry if there's like jingles this was, <laughs> this was two weeks ago too. I sort of got, I have a kitten who finds like the noisiest toys once I'm already recording. So I so apologized if there's noise on <laughs> my side again, it's my damn cat. That's why you shouldn't have a loose cat in the back seat right there. Yeah, freaking Dolly Parton is just <laughs> rocking around my back seat, and I can't stop her. Anyways, I, I, so I think like it's easy to end up with merch of your own face everywhere because you just get given it, which is so funny to be like people just give you gifts with your own <laughs> face on it. But yeah, no, I, it's a weird I, situation. I noticed that too, where I was like, that's an interesting decor. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't come across like super likable. I think the whole storyline is making me sort of uncomfortable because it's like I like Brit better. So it's like I'm kind of on her side. But like, I totally agree with you guys about working hurt. And then it's like, and I don't know how hurt she is, you know, like, no. so then I feel like, oh, don't bring me into the middle of this. Like, I don't yeah. want to make a judgment, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's like when you squint, you're sort of like, well, if you agreed to take the belt while you were hurt then finish it and drop the belt hurt. But at the same time, I'm sort of like, well, what if we all just got mad at Tony instead? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway. Before we get off all access, can we talk mm-hmm. about the Bucks really quickly? Oh, sure. <laughs> you could tell I was about to skip it for time. I know. I know. But yet. I just very, very, I will make this so brief. Go you know it. that I would die for the Bucks. Like, I, I love do. them. The comedy of the very rehearsed, why don't we go to the Bucks to tell them <laughs> about our storyline idea? Because they are EVPs and not figureheads at all. And they can certainly help us. Okay. Like, it was just I so know. rehearsed. Don't I was losing it. Don't you feel like watching the show that, like, 85% of the show is just, like, a response to stuff on Twitter? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. of course they're aware of it all. But it's like, okay, so we're going to show everybody that the the Bucks are, like, in charge of things. And also they're helpful. Their door is open they're to the They're very roster. helpful. People, everybody knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, like all this stuff. I'm just like, this is an interesting little propaganda project that we're watching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was blatant. And for me, who is like a huge, like, Bucks, like, defender at all points, I was like, all right, guys, you're laying in real thick. Like, I don't know if we have to at Sean Rassap, like, quite as hard as we are in the show. But actually, our title is is very real. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now, now you can move on. Now I'll transition right into the women's (laughs) match. Um, yeah, so we had Jamie Hader defeat Riho on um, Dynamite this week um, in a relative sizes of women match. Um, and after the match, they shook hands nicely. So they are still on the same side in this outcast um, storyline. Um, so in the recaps I read, we're like, thank God that they didn't get spray painted at the end of that because that's so boring. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, yeah. that's uh, the point we're at. But the outcast did do a promo after where Ruby was like, don't get too comfortable, Jamie, because one of us is going to win the belt. And Renee's like, but there's three of you. And they were like, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about it later. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so things are fine with them and everything will go great. And there's never going to be any kind of fallout ever, I think. Don't worry so, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you guys think of this match? It was good. I, I like sometimes I have a hard time with Rio just because she's so tiny. And it's like when you're watching like Orange Cassidy fight, like, big bill where you're like this is comedy but i actually thought that this <laughs> i actually thought this match was like really good like i don't know whether jamie did a better job of selling or what but like i, I just thought it was like it was very very fun to watch yeah i think jeff like seemed to understand like because i had the same impression and i think jeff like said some things about like the moves that made sense so oh yeah, that's so interesting so that. like you paid attention to like the, the moves, moves. Like, yeah what she wow. was doing that made it look good wow so and and i know with time and everything, this is probably the th- thing I can nerd out the most about in this entire Roth itinerary. So I'll try to I'll try to be quick about this. You let me know if you need me to wrap up. But I just I think that in no small part it just boils down to for me, um, just the style of match that Jamie Hader wrestles versus and OC versus Big Bill was the exact men's comparison <laughs> that I was gonna make, Leah. So thank you for that. But I think the reason that a match like this works and why uh, Jamie Hayter is the perfect base for the Joshi and the, the smaller wrestlers is her moveset is um, so much more grapple heavy than like, if you think like a Jade Cargill, like Jade is a big powerhouse, but she's mostly throwing clotheslines and big boots and stuff like that. And if you've got somebody like Riho, that's going to try to wrestle with her, and try to keep this looking flowing and feeling good and like giving you that feeling like, Oh yeah, this is wrestling. These are professionals that are actually making me think they're fighting. Um, if Riho goes in and ducks like a big boot, you're still basically just starting whatever her next move is going to be 
from the start. And mm-hmm. you're still left there trying to be like, well, Riho is tiny and Jade Cargill is bigger than the three of us standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. But with Jamie Hayter, um, you know, she's got a lot more suplexes and slams and grapples and just general like person on person power moves going. So when Riho counters something, you know, whether it's, you know, like, uh, I know OC does a lot of like DDT counters to things where you get the attacker's momentum behind that. But when Riho does that to Jamie Hayter, for me, it still feels like it's all one congruous flowing move. Like there's no start and stop. There's no time where Rio has to reset herself and be tiny compared to the big, strong Jamie Hayter. It's just you. It's, it's almost like judo, I guess a little bit, but um, yeah. So, and there's also the fact that Jamie Hayter is, She's wrestled over in Japan. She knows how to be a base for these wrestling styles. She's also quite possibly becoming, I think, the best women's wrestler that we have in yeah, North America. Yeah. Um, so to some degree, it's just because Riho is amazing and Jamie Hayter is amazing. But mm-hmm. like, I think whenever we hop off here, if we go and we watch Jade Cargill versus hometown hero Billy Starks on Battle of the Belts tonight... <laughs> That's right. Um, Louisville you know, represent. Absolutely. Billy's <laughs> Billy's moveset is a lot of strikes, too. Like, they're both an equal size, but you're not going to get that flow out of it that you get when you've got a smaller wrestler versus a strong base that knows how to just flow into those counter moves. It's also why Claudio Castagnoli is one of the best human beings to ever do this because he's mm. strong enough to be a base for people infinitely larger than him. So he's good with the small people, too. So that's that's my that's my diving in. That's the part that made all of your regular listeners plus click stop on the podcast. <laughs> we were promised nope. we were promised no facts. And, and here I am. So but I honestly, I think that that's why that match worked. And if you go and you watch Orange Cassidy versus a big bill, maybe it doesn't look quite so good, despite Orange Cassidy also being amazing. <laughs> That's that so interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, it's nice to hear like the stuff that you notice when you have more experience watching wrestling and you like have a little more facility with the moves and stuff. So very I cool. Guess, I guess that's what you notice when you're not watching it to see who might kiss. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it really frees up some brain cells. So <laughs> Those brain Seems cells nice. are still wasted in other ways, <laughs> let me assure you. But... <laughs> Nice. Okay. Well, we're getting close to time here. So I think we need to skip either the firm or the BBC. Which guy would you guys rather talk about? Uh, BBC. BBC. Yeah. yeah. All right. So on Dynamite this week, the BCC squashed some jobbers. And then Brian Danielson, who wasn't wrestling, um, came out, look- or I guess he was already there. He was looking very Pacific Northwest in a little puffy jacket and hoodie and he grabbed the mic and apparently heard our criticism about him being overly cerebral because it was very unhinged as a promo he loves his family but he loves the blackpool combat club more or maybe not more but he also loves them he said many times everyone else in the company are amateurs who seemed like they were hired by the evps um and then he got interrupted by hangman who ran out all by himself with no weapon or anything and then got beat up very badly by all the different members of the bcc while brian zandelson screamed that nobody loves him and no one was coming to help him and then gouged him with a screwdriver and no one did run out to help him um so yeah did you find this promo effective 
How many times did he say the word amateur? Like six, <laughs> ten? Least. I, it Maybe had to be more. at least a dozen. I mean, <laughs> it's um, the promo. I liked the promo a lot. It had a lot of callbacks to some of the stuff that he had done during a particular phase back in the WWE where he shouted fickle at the crowd a whole lot <laughs> uh, because the crowd would just. a Brian Danielson kind of like he picks a word like fickle. Like, right. of course. Amateur. He's such a little weirdo. Um, but during that set, like he was like a big, like the planet's champion. He had like a hemp title <laughs> belt and everything. And he was a heel because it was the WWE and he was being a smug asshole about being a conservationist. But. You know, this promo was exactly like that. It's like, this man loves his friends. Boo this man. (laughs) (laughs) But then he pulled out the screwdriver and everything got weird. So ultimately, yeah, yeah, the promo worked very well for me. Yeah. He did handle that screwdriver in a very strange serial killer way. Like, I don't, <laughs> there was something so ominous about the way he was like yeah. waving it around where I was like, I think you're going to take apart a hangman's limbs with that. And I don't feel good I about know. it. There was something dead in his eyes. It's like, yeah. it's one thing to pull out a screwdriver in a death match, like in the heat of the moment, but this was yeah. so calculated. Um, yeah. And what do you think of no one rescuing hangman? I was pretty uh, surprised. I hope that comes up. I hope that, like, yeah. you know, Hangman's like, what the hell, you guys? But <laughs> Like, there were two different groups of people that should have been out there, and neither mm-hmm. group of people showed up. So unless we find out that Don Callis had literally hogtied the Young Bucks to Stu and Evil Uno, <laughs> I am going to be very upset. That would be the most perfect BT I've ever seen. <laughs> if it opens it on be, Monday yeah. and it's just Don Callis cackling and then he opens a supply closet and the Young Bucks are like hogtied Tied next to, to Stu. Yeah, next to oh the, the Dark Order. That would be like, honest to God, I think I would probably pass out from happiness. It would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder what they're... I mean, they've got to, like, kind of ice the storyline for at least a couple, like, a month or two while Matt Jackson heals up. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I saw a tweet earlier today where somebody was, like, Matt Jackson's, like, in a sling. He can't, like, use his arm. Like, it's, like, it's in, like, in a brace. And the the tweet was, like, I don't, no one knows whether what he's going to do. And somebody retweeted it and was, like, well, MJ, uh, Matt, uh, Matt, wow, Matt Jackson's most <laughs> important contributions to AEW is pouting while nervously touching his hair. So yeah, he'll be okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so that's, that's so correct. Yes. Is he a beautiful, strong wrestler? Yes. But is his most important contribution pouting? Yes. He's, yeah. and he can still do that. So bring him out. There's no need to hide people when they're injured. If they no. Make their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Greg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so mad. Just cause you break your tit. You can't, don't have to go away for eight months or whatever. Um, all right, on to the stupid main event this week. Um, the tag title match between the Guns, who are the current champions, and Challengers FDR, who um, actually the Chiron said they had quote unquote promised to leave AEW if they lost, which is like, <laughs> yeah, they did promise that and they broke that promise. Um, so, yeah, they threatened us with a good time, but uh, no one really believed it. And Dax was really trying to sell on Twitter that, like, they might be going to WWE, but he was doing a really bad job, and no one believed it, and he was mad about it. Um, but anyway, in the match, uh, the guns at a certain point, like, clearly realized they were going to lose, and then um, they started to try to get disqualified, which was very funny, um, because if they did, like, the 
the FTR wouldn't have won the title and then they'd still have to leave. So they were like trying to knock the ref over and stuff, but then the ref wouldn't cooperate and saw what they were doing and wouldn't DQ them. So eventually they got pinned and now FTR are our new champs. What do you guys think? You should tell everybody what this header is called because it's your best one. Oh, thank you so much. It's uh, the assassination of a well-organized militia by the coward FTR bald. <laughs> A+. Plus. A+. It did, pop plus. Me. it did pop me big time. Uh, oh, my God. That entrance was like a pay-per-view entrance. How did they get 50 Cent? I don't know. I wish Tony Khan will really, for his boys, he'll break out the money he'll buy them some stuff i do feel like that was like thank you for jacksonville here's yeah. here's 50 cents <laughs> right you yeah you can have many men sure <laughs> they look so good their their yeah. outfits were great like the lighting was great i was like mm-hmm. i love the guns i know and they did such a good job in this match and it was like so obvious like why we love them and can't stand ftr because like you knew <laughs> the whole time what what the guns were up to yeah. like the moment that they were like oh fuck we are going <laughs> to lose this and like and then they were like trying to get dq'd that's yeah. how you freaking tell a story while wrestling yeah. like are you kidding me i know i feel like they're so good at telling stories like yeah. they're really yeah it's that like they know what they want and they're conveying it clearly like and they're little goofy little rat boys and they're trying mm-hmm. to do it whereas ftr is just like I want to wrestle. I want. I want to win the belt. I just want to do the wrestling. I just want to do the wrestling. <laughs> I'm honestly astonished at how far the guns have come and how quickly. Like every, they did so many little things right. Like what both of you were saying. Like in telling the story, and even like you know, there was some point where they were trying to break up a potential tag, and I think it was Colton just fucking threw himself. Sorry, bad word. Uh, just threw himself across the ring to uh, keep the tag from happening for a little bit longer. There's just so many wonderful little things that they're doing that three months ago, even I would never have expected to be coming out of these two. Um, now, granted, anything anybody does against FTR, I'm going to be like, that's the best thing that's ever <laughs> happened. Um, yeah. and, but I'm really genuinely impressed. Um, I have no idea where the tag division goes at this point, but I hope that they find yeah. room for the guns and the acclaim somewhere, somehow. Who do you think FTR is even going to feud with next? Like, who's left? Yeah, I know. With the trios division going on, it's like it's really pulled people out of the tag team, and then it's like, yeah, they've already fought a lot of people, and ugh. I, like, literally don't have any thoughts, especially when it's, like, they need someone, like, serious, like a serious wrestler. Can, can we, so, given that if if, if the acclaimed are busy with JAS, the guns probably aren't going to get a rematch because AEW doesn't usually do that. Dante Martin's ankle just exploded. Oh, my God. Um, so bad. <laughs> can, can you all think of any other tag teams? Like, this, no, I'm not saying, like, <laughs> applicable know, like tag teams. Party, but... like... <laughs> Yeah, who's no. on this? Stupid well, because because one of Private Party is injured too, right? That's why it's just yeah, Matt Mar- Hardy. Mark Quinn, Mark Quinn is. Around, yeah. That's right. Um, I mean, we've right, got like Evil Uno and Stu. That's true. They maybe could <laughs> they could. could we finally kind of, get some belts for the Dark Order? Maybe that'd be so nice. Or is hard it, to imagine it happening? FTR just gonna wrestle. <laughs> <They're> just gonna <laughs> forever. Maybe they'll just keep doing promos where they come out and they say, "I love God." And I love America. <laughs> I love Bret Hart. <laughs> you already said God, though, so. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> I know. I wish the acclaimed had kept those titles for a lot longer. It's I just, know it. 
I know it, but then at the same time, like, but then we'd be robbed of what's going on with 2.0 yeah. and I don't want to lose it. That's I know, good. which has been delightful. They were delightful this week. <laughs> I know. So, all right. Anything else you guys want to say about this or any other topic before we wrap it up? All I want to say is like one more like in-ring complaint. The ending of that tag match mm, was terrible. Geez. Just absolutely terrible for me. Like just the fact that they, <laughs> it felt like they spent a good five seconds waiting for the whole like double pinfall thing, which doesn't matter. Cause only one of them's legal. And it was just like, <laughs> are you just trying to make them look that much better than the team that was a comedy show three months ago? Like, come on FTR. How much do we really have to give you here? That's just me whining. So. <laughs> I love I love to hear complaints about re- FDR doing bad wrestling because <laughs> yeah. I can't have no authority to speak on these matters, but pedally I love it. So love yeah. to hear it. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Jeff, for being here. And we'll Jeff, you did such a great up. job. Did yeah, you have fun? You were fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yes, this was this was a blast. It's hard to let the hour flew by. This was uh, yeah, so it much. Always does. It always does. So much better than literally every other Zoom meeting I've been in for the last six years <laughs> of my professional life. So, and I'm sure that's a very high bar too. So. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of fun there at the workplace. So, but no, thank you very much for for having me. And uh, hopefully, not too many of your listeners got bored listening to me inject a little a little personal opinion version of fact into some of this. So, thank you all very very much for. Not at all. Wonderful. Come back anytime. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. All right. So on that note, I've been Ann. I've been Leah. I've been Jeff. And this is Tunnel Talk. Our show is produced by Marjorie Voinovich, and our theme is by Chris Corkin. You can find us on Twitter at Tunnel Talk Pod, on Tumblr at Tunnel Talk Pod, and via email at tunneltalkpod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and come back next week.